This is episode 136, Love It More Than You Hate It. My name is Tudor Alexander, and this is the Dance of Life podcast. Every week, my goal is to inspire you to take action towards what you love, live a transformed life, and enjoy the journey there. Are you ready? Let's go. What's up, everybody? How's it going? I hope you're having an awesome Friday or Monday or Tuesday or wherever this day happens to find you. I have an awesome quote from one of my favorites, Jim Rohn. He's a motivational speaker. And he said, pain is something we have to deal with no matter what. And you're going to even have to deal with the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. And I absolutely love this quote because it really primes us for what we're going to talk about today, which is love it more than you hate it. This idea came to me actually a little bit earlier today. I was like, you know what? I'm going to record an episode on this because I think it's a great conversation to have. And the idea of having to choose between the pain of discipline or the pain of regret is very simple. Either way, you know, life is going to go by and things are going to go by you know, that you didn't do, things are going to go by that you did do. So the for the things that you do and the things that you chase and try to build and create for yourself, you'll have to deal with the pain of discipline because anything that you want is on the other side through this jungle, right, of failure, of challenge, of details. You know, details just kill you in anything. You know, ultimately to, to really pursue something, you have to deal with the details, you know, and that takes discipline. That takes having rules for your life. That takes, you know, sacrifice and giving things up, regardless of what it is. I'm not talking necessarily about being an entrepreneur here, but anything, you know, whether you want to be a great performing artist, whether you want to be a good parent, whether you want to be, you know, a good entrepreneur, whatever, it all takes those things, discipline, sacrifice, um, you know, dealing with failure, all those kinds of things. So, that's on one side of the spectrum. For the things that you don't do, for the things that you miss out on, and either way, you're going to miss out on something. Look, I mean, if you're trying to be successful and push something to the next level, you will miss out on, you know, going out with your friends every weekend. You will miss out on the latest Netflix show and, you know, being in on those conversations, whatever. I haven't watched Netflix in forever. Actually, I lie. I'm lying. I watched Netflix like a week ago with my friend, but outside of that, I, I don't think I remember the last time I watched TV or even anything like that. So ultimately, and I'm not bragging about that, but that's just, you know, that's the cost you pay. Either way, there's a cost, right? So it's either the cost of discipline, of having to discipline your mind and your body, or the cost of regret. And, uh, you know, either way we have to choose. So that's a really important thing because you know, they say, if you're going to do something, you might as well love it. And this is the first level. And I think that a lot of us, even for that, that's something to strive for because there's a lot of us in a position with our careers, with our relationships even, you know, not necessarily romantic relationships, but even people that you're with friendship-wise or, you know, whatever, wherever you live, if, you, if you're with roommates that don't necessarily have the same values as you, that kind of thing. You know, we're in these situations out of necessity, right? So level one is to be able to to live your life in the way that you love to live it, you know? And we're talking about with the people that you love, pursuing the things that you love. That right there 
is a noble goal. And I think that's a, a goal that you hear not only here in this podcast, but everywhere. You know, all these different people who are in the same space of motivation, inspiration, personal development, it's all about finding and creating a life that you love. And if you don't love something, if you don't really truly believe in it and, and enjoy doing it, then there is no purpose to doing it. You know, that's one of the biggest lessons that I learned personally uh, from being an athlete, a professional athlete doing ballroom dancing, competitive ballroom dancing. It's, it's a very, very difficult sport. And on top of it being difficult, most people don't realize um, how difficult of a sport it is. But on top of it being so demanding, it is very subjective, you know, so it's very subjective. It's not like it's a huge world in the sense that, you know, there's there's quite a lot of accomplished professionals, but it's not a very publicly known thing. I mean, Dancing with the Stars helped out a lot with it, but, you know, there's not like Nike and, and Fila and all these people like sponsoring ballroom competitions, you know? So the point is, is that as a professional, on top of it being a lot of work, on top of it being incredibly subjective, uh, there's also very little reward for it, you know. So having done this for over a decade now, it's you know, and, and dealing with the failure, dealing with the subjectivity, dealing with situations where they were unfair, in my personal opinion, or whatever else, you know. And that that happens in life. What it really brought me to is like, you know, there is no reason for doing this. Like, I'm not doing it for the money. I can make a lot more money if I just teach and I don't bother trying to compete or you know affirm myself in that sense. So, you know, I'm not doing it for the glory because it's a relatively small world. You know, it's not like it's I, I'm famous and suddenly I'm like a soccer player or something. So there is no reason to do it other than that you truly enjoy it. And now that may seem like a very um, far off example, maybe from your life, because most people aren't doing competitive ballroom dancing. But I want to use that as an example because you have something in your life that has the same elements. You have something in your life that has you know, subjectivity to it, that there is no clear finish line. You have something that is unfair. You have something that isn't necessarily going to reward you with financial status or recognition. Like, let's say being a good parent, you know, that is the ultimate sacrifice in my book because you, you don't, it's not like you get famous for it. You don't get money. You don't get anything. You know, it's really a purely altruistic behavior. So, uh, in that sense, unless you really want that, unless you really love to do that in your mind and in your heart, then there's no reason to do it. You know, and certainly there's plenty of examples of people who weren't ready for that decision and the impact that it had on, you know, the next generation. So, so that's something to shoot for, that you love what you do and why you do it. But, you know, and this is what inspired me with this particular episode, what we get into when we inevitably find what we love to do is that there's still parts to it that suck or that, you know, they're not fun to do. They're, they're painful. They're, they're just exhausting, you know? So in everything that we do, like, let's say, okay, let's go back to the kid example. Yeah. I'm ready for a kid. I love, I want to have a family. That's something I've always dreamed about, whatever else. But then, you know, you got to change diapers. You got to do this. You have to watch out. You have to take them to the doctor. You know, there's all these types of things that you don't want to deal with you know, or a pet, same thing. But those things don't necessarily outweigh, they shouldn't, they shouldn't outweigh the love that you have for that situation, for that person, for that activity in your life. And that's where I think it's a more accurate way to look at anything in your life. And that's why I want to make an episode about it, which is love it more than you hate it. 
you know, you got to love it more than you hate it. Don't worry about love, 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 loving it. Because I think first off, the word love has been very diluted in our society in the sense that we use love for, oh, I love French fries or I love this chocolate shake. Like you don't love that. You enjoy the taste, you know, it's pleasurable, but love has become this catch-all for anything from deep sentimental, you know, intimacy to superficial, you know, pleasures. So it's when you just use it by itself and you say, I I love what I do. Yeah, I love what I do. Or I have to love what I do. Let's put it that way. It doesn't help you really kind of zone in and, and deal with the inevitable uncomfortable parts of it, you know. But when you say, I love this more than I hate it, then you're accepting all the negative things that come with it into your life. Because there are things that we, you know, like with podcasting, for example, I love interviewing people. I love creating episodes. I love to talk. Uh, But I hate having to, you know, cue everything up in my podcasting platform and schedule it and click all these buttons. That's just monotonous work to me. You know, if I could out delegate that, which we'll get to in a little bit uh, and something I will be doing, uh, that's going to be awesome. That's one less thing that I have to not like to do. So what it comes down to, and this is the useful part with this little formula, is think of it like a numerical formula. Even though there's no actual way to measure this, think of it like a numerical formula because ultimately what you're shooting for, you're never going to have a perfect score very rarely or for a very short amount of time. You're going to have, you know, probably more like 70, 30, 70% love and then 30% hate, you know, but as that percentage starts to get closer to 50, 50, you're going to become indecisive, right? So when, and we're talking about the weight of one thing versus another, not necessarily the quantity, because you may have a lot of things like, let's say in your relationship and there's a lot of things, inevitably, there's a lot of things about another person that will bother you, especially if you start living together, right, that you hate. <laughs> Let's put it that way. It's a simple word. Even though it's a strong word, you know, it's it's it contrasts love. So there's a lot of things that you're going to hate that they do, but the quantity of those things don't matter. It's the weight, it's the overall weight, because there could be, let's say, one or two things that they do that mean more than any other, you know, any other thing that you hate. Like, let's say they're very loyal and they care about you a lot. Well, that's going to be way more important than if they leave their socks out, you know, in the morning or whatever. They don't put the dishes back. Like those things do not outweigh the bigger things, you know, which are much more important. So, uh, and if they do to you, then, you know, that's something to look at. But ultimately, when you get to this 50-50 of, well, I'm not sure, you know, if I love or hate this situation, which one I hate more or love more, then you start to become indecisive. Because everything has a cost. Everything has a cost of discipline, right? Everything has a cost of changing. Everything has a cost of being uncomfortable. So this is the problem we want to avoid. When we're in this 50-50 state, or let's say 65, you know, 35, whatever, when you're close to that indecisiveness, you experience something called cognitive dissonance, which is the misalignment of, of two things in your mind. So basically what you want and what you're getting, or what you expect and what you see. You know, we we experience these things all the time, these little cognitive dissonances. But the thing to understand is that suffering is directly related to your experience of cognitive dissonance. Like we do not like to have these mismatching pictures in our minds. So the mind was, when you experience a mismatch, when you experience a cognitive dissonance event, the brain is going to do everything possible to 
get you out of that. You know, it's going to make excuses. It's going to start planning. It's going to start thinking of other things. You know, so whatever it is, the mind doesn't, it wants some sort of certainty. It wants some sort of, okay, which way am I going? I don't like to be split between two things. So we don't want to be in that area. One way or another, we don't want to be in that area. So when you do feel that you're starting to approach that even, you know, loving and hating is kind of evened out in your mind, that's the point at which it's an opportunity, in my mind. It's an opportunity to get clear on a couple of things and really learn a lot about uh, different things like delegating. Like I said, I mentioned that earlier. You know, so the first thing, the first thing that's going to help you get out of this even indecisive ratio is being clear about your why. Why are you doing it? Why are you doing what you're doing? And that takes, sometimes that takes regular evaluation because I'll tell you, like I said, even my own career, again, I'm using my own career as a competitive athlete, but it doesn't matter. Whatever you're into, you can relate to this in some degree because your initial reason for doing something is not always going to stay the same. You know, when I first started competing, I was very much about the recognition it brought. I, I love the high of people watching me, of feeling significant, all these kind of things. And, you know, certainly that's still enjoyable, but I have other reasons for it now. You know, for me, it's challenging myself internally for, you know, expressing myself, for connecting to another person, to learn to conquer my fears, you know, to be better. And so there's there's always a reason. There's always a reason. And it's not like one reason necessarily better than the other, but your reason will dictate what you do and why you do it. So you have to constantly evaluate that because on the road to anything, there's going to be challenges. There's going to be things that you will not like to do, right? Things that you hate and it's inevitable. So those things are going to cloud your judgment. They're going to demotivate you. They're going to bring that ratio down. So let's say you start something and, oh my God, I'm absolutely in love with what I'm doing. I'm a hundred percent. There's nothing I hate. Same thing with a relationship, right? Well, as time goes on, if we don't evaluate our reasons for it, uh, and the other two things too I'll mention, which is delegating and taking regular breaks, but if we don't maintain the garden, let's put it that way, those weeds will grow and grow and grow, and pretty soon that's going to go to 80%, you know, 80-20, then 70-30, then 60-40, then 50-50, and pretty soon you're like, wait a minute, how do I find myself here doing something that supposedly I'd love to do, but like I want to quit it now. Like I don't want to do this anymore. And again, this is an opportunity, and this has happened to me many times. I've had to reevaluate what I'm doing. And it's always been a great opportunity because when you get that certainty, whether it's a rejuvenated direction in the direction you're going, or you know what, you decide this is not for me anymore. Like I genuinely, authentically, I'm going to move in a different direction, whether it's with a relationship, a career, whatever. Uh, you know, either way, you have clarity. And that's the key. So you've got to evaluate your reason for doing things, your why. You know, motivation is important. And certainly today, you know, we see a lot of motivational quotes. I, I certainly start with them in the podcast now these days. And uh, and they're very valuable stuff. But look, motivation is, is cheap. You know, I hate to say that in a sense. But, you know, motivation is important. But motivation is temporary. You know, you read an inspirational quote, you share it on Facebook, and then you're boosted up for like two minutes, and then you're back to being negative or disillusioned or, you know, depressed. So there's something more to long-term success than motivation. Motivation is not somebody else's job. It's your job. And 
the way you do that is by regularly connecting to your reason for doing things. What is your why? What is your why? Why are you doing it? And if that reason is strong enough, then it will propel you through the inevitable garbage that you have to wade through on the way to getting what you want. You know, there's no way around it. So you have to regularly address why you're doing it because the greater thing that you want to accomplish, the the bigger the thing, the more (laughs) chances are that you're going to want to quit. And I always say, if you don't want to quit something, then you aren't trying hard enough because anything that's worthwhile, if you really commit to it, you're going to want to quit. I have wanted to quit competitive dancing so many times. I've wanted to quit being an entrepreneur so many times. I've wanted to quit relationships that I really loved. You know, so many. So you always want to quit. It's human nature. But you have to have a reason that supersedes that instinct because that instinct is just fear-based. It's, it's animal-based. We don't, that instinct doesn't see the bigger picture. It's designed to survive. So you feel something that's uncomfortable and your survival mechanism, which is a tactical mechanism, it doesn't plan. You know, survival is not about planning. That's what the higher brain is for. Survival is about dealing with what's happening right now. And if I feel threatened, I'm just going to cut it off and quit. But that's not always the right decision. You know, so that's why we use our higher brain to be like, okay, let me take a step back. What's my reason for doing this? Nope. You know, I have a very good reason. I'm going to keep doing it. You know, and one tool that I, uh, I'll recommend with this part, and then we'll go on to the next one, is a Japanese... Um, self-inquiry tool. It's called Ikigai. I think I'm pronouncing it correctly, but it's spelled I-K-I-G-A-I. It's kind of like a a way to evaluate where you're at. You know, it's got four components to look at anything, you know, and particularly I think it's for career. It's basically to look at your current career and see, okay, you know, are you in the sweet spot of these four different things? It's kind of like a Venn diagram with four circles. And in each circle, you know, you've got like, I forget what they are right now. I don't have it in front of me, but it's like, does it have value to society? Do you get paid well? Do you love what you do? Um, and then are you good at it? I think those are the four ones. So when you when you perform an ikigai assessment, you know, depending on if let's say, you know, you've got two of them intersect, like you love what you do um, and you're good at it, right? But the other two circles aren't fulfilled. Like nobody really needs it, you know, and, and uh, you know, there's no, you don't get paid for it really well, you know. So you can love what you do and you can be really good at it, but if nobody, if there's no value to society and you're not getting paid for it very well, then you're going to be unhappy. So Ikigai is a really cool thing. I use it a lot. It's, I think it's just a simple tool, but it's a good way to look and see, okay, where is this, you know, where's my life, my career, let's say in this case, or my business, what part of it is missing. And then it allows you to take action. Obviously, that's the whole point. So if I've got two of those circles or three of those circles, then I look at the one that's missing and say, okay, how can I change this? How can I take more actions or change my alignment or belief systems or, you know, policies or rules to to support this from happening? So check it out. It's called Ikigai. It's not like an app or anything. It's literally just a, it's a concept. So you can take a look at it and, and just find a chart and perform a simple ikigai evaluation of your life. So first one to, to leveraging this percentage and getting back to certainty, but getting back to clarity is having a clear why, right? So if you have a clear why that's going to motivate you, that's going to give you a reason, and then you're going to shoot back up to loving what you're doing more than you're hating it. 
because those details, they wear away at you and they, they dwindle that percentage back down to 50-50 where you get indecisive uh, or even worse, you know, where you hate it more than you love it and you're still doing it, you know. So you need a good reason and that reason can spike up your love right away for it. So the next thing is delegating, you know, being able to delegate those things, uh, the chopping away the weeds, right, delegating the things that you don't like to do, you know, so certain things that you don't like to do, you can delegate them, and then that will increase the percentage of love to hate again. That's going to reduce the things that you don't like to deal with, you know, so like, for example, let's say with podcasting, I'm using this as an example. If I don't like doing you know, some of this tedious like setup work and stuff, I can just pay somebody to do that, which I'm going to look into um, as this thing grows so that I can just focus on creating and doing the things that I love. And now there's a whole chunk there that I don't have to deal with. Now you have to pay for that. And again, <laughs> pain of discipline or the pain of regret. So either way, there's a cost, right? So I either have to do it and spend my time, which is more valuable, or I can spend some money and have somebody to do it. So you have to figure out, okay, which one am I going to hate less? So if I'm going to, let's say right now with my podcasting, I'm at 70-30 because of those things. Now, if I delegate it, uh, but I still have to pay, that's still some sort of suffering. But, you know, it's less suffering than having to waste my time, you know, queuing up all these things and clicking all these buttons. So that's going to go down to like 25, you know, 75 or something like that, right? So it moves up five points. So anyway, you can't ever get a numerical factor on this, but the point is to visualize or to help you see the relationship with how these things are affected. You know, by delegating the things that we don't want to do, it really helps to adjust that, you know, proportion of loving to hating so that you don't have to deal with some of that stuff. Now, the key is, you know, the details are also very important too, though. (laughs) This is the challenge, especially if you run a business or, you know, if something's important to you, you care about the details. Let's say you're leaving your dog with somebody, you know, and they have a very specific diet. Well, they can't just eat anything or they have a specific routine. The details are important, especially if the outcome is really important to you. So a, a key subpoint in this whole delegating thing is being able to communicate what it is that's important to you. You got to be a good communicator. In order for you to delegate something, This has been a huge learning lesson for me. And this is why it's so important, by the way, to have a clear why, to have a clear why as to what you're doing and why. Because if you don't have a clear why and you jump straight to delegating because you want to get rid of some stuff that you don't like, this is is a very big point. So listen to this one. So let's say you don't have a clear why with your, we're going to use entrepreneur's business, but let's say you don't have a clear why for what you're doing. And there's a ton of stuff that you don't like So you're trying to delegate it. Well, chances are that if you communicate from that space of not really being certain yourself of why you're doing what you're doing, you're going to attract people who don't get your vision. They're going to mess up the details. And the details matter, especially in these days. you got to have the details. And if the details aren't in alignment with your vision, you're doing double the work. You're spending way more money that you would have. You know, so now you're, you're going backwards even worse. So now there's more things that you hate. So you sabotaged yourself literally by increasing more things that you hate because the delegation wasn't done appropriately. So it's not like you can just delegate and suddenly, oh, you know, I'm free of pain or, you know, I'm not suffering as much. It's, it is in that sense, but you have to be able, there's a caveat. And the caveat is you've got to be able to communicate effectively from your why. You have to communicate your values and what it is that you expect, what it is that you want, 
What are you about? You know, sometimes it's going to be more of a conceptual communication. Sometimes it has to be very specific details like, hey, I want, you know, this done like this exactly at this time. And it has to be done, you know, like this. You know, some things are more task-based, but either way, you got to communicate. You know, that's the key. So you've got a clear why, you've got delegating. And then the third one that I want to share with you, I think that's super important that, that helping you change this ratio, again, love it more than you hate it. You got to love it more than you hate it. So it's not about love, love, love all the time, because that's just impossible. You just have to love it more than you hate it. And preferably, the higher that percentage is in favor of love, the more likely you're going to actually enjoy your experience and look over the negative stuff and be motivated to continue. So part of that is having a clear vision, clear why, clear reason why you're doing it. The other part is delegating the the negative things that you don't like and make sure you communicate. And the third part, which is very simple, is take regular breaks. Literally, like go outside for a walk. You know, I like to go to the movies by myself. I love going to the movies by myself. It sounds totally funny or weird maybe, but it's for me especially if I'm working, first off, if I'm self-employed, I can do it whenever I want. So like, I love going like on a Wednesday night or something like that. Total random time of the day because there's nobody there and it's just me and I can just interrupt my program. That's what it's really about. You know, when you do a regular break, even if it's literally to step outside, you know, now if you're in Phoenix, Arizona, like I am, you have to, (laughs) you have to plan because you can't just step outside in the middle of the day. Otherwise you'll come back a totally different skin killer. But the point is, you when you step outside for a walk, even if it's five minutes, 10 minutes, you interrupt your program. You know, we need chapters in our lives. We need chapters because the mind, the mind loves to go on run on sentences. You know, it'll just like talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and think of what's coming up and then what's next and worry about what's coming up. You know, so it keeps chatting away. And unless you physically do something to prime your mind that, hey, this last chapter is over, there's a new chapter now, then you will carry over that stress into the things that you, other things that you love to do, you know? So for example, let's say, we'll use sleep as an example. There's plenty of examples, but we use sleep. You you know, a, a key to having good quality sleep is a good nighttime routine because the nighttime routine interrupts the previous program of work or whatever you're doing And it primes your mind and says, hey, it's time to go to bed. So you need triggers like, okay, at 9 p.m. or 10 p.m. or whatever it is, uh, if you go to bed later, but whatever it is, pick a rule and stick to it. I start to do my stuff, my time routine, because then your mind is interrupted. Whatever program was going on, you interrupted it with a new program. And that's how the brain works. It works on programs and it just goes on autopilot. So, and that's fine. You know, that's, it has to do that. Otherwise we'd be burning way too many calories in our brains, but the point is that you have to know that and in order for the details that are sucking your energy out of a project, you know, the things that are not comfortable, when you're switching to something else like spending quality time with people or even just, let's say you are you have, okay, I have a full day to work. I'm going to work. I've got a couple big things that I need to get done today. So I'm sometimes you can cruise through that, but at other times, you need to take regular breaks to interrupt your program, especially if you need to do something creative. I found this to be incredibly important. You cannot create, you know, your mind is going to be in one way or another. It's either going to be analytical, in analytical mode, like separating things and labeling them and organizing them and chopping them up, or it's going to be creative where it can kind of look and see the the patterns and the connections between things. So 
the important part to know is that you know we're both we're all capable of both of those things. But when you go in one mode, we tend to stay that way. We tend to be lopsided, meaning you need to interrupt the program and then reset your brain because otherwise it's you can't just go from doing like super analytical work and like doing spreadsheets and clicking and organizing stuff to suddenly okay let me think like let me be creative and be authentic and express and something that's very difficult you know most of us tend to be either analytical or creative anyway so you know even then that's even harder because we have to switch modes to something that's opposite from us so even if you can use both of your sides of your brain equally uh, equally well you still need to interrupt your program and a great way to do that is just take a break and the break by the way this is important and worth mentioning a break means move away from the environment that you're in do not you know if you're at your computer working all day a break doesn't mean okay like i'm going to just minimize my audacity screen and then go scroll facebook for 5 minutes no that's not a break a break is physically getting up from your desk going outside, going to a different place, having a little tea, a drink, whatever, like a refresh and then come back, you know, it's like, oh, wow, okay. So now it's a new chapter, a new beginning. So that's going to help reset what you're doing. It's going to help you, you know, de-stress from the details that you have that are wearing away at that love for what you're doing, you know, and it's going to help change that ratio. So, you know, these are three super simple strategies. Well, you know, they're simple, but they're not. You know, everything I, I talk about here is, I feel relatively simple, but the difficult part is in practice. It's in putting it into your life. So, you know, have a clear why. Delegate the things that you don't like to do and take regular breaks. That's it. You know, those three things, if you do them consistently, and again, the first one's really honestly the most important. Taking regular breaks is really important too, but um, having a clear why, they're all important, but having a clear why is so important. That's like you need to have that first because if you don't have that, even if you take a regular break and you come back to something that you don't know why you're doing it, then you're back to square one. You know what I mean? So you got to know why you're doing what. And this is something that constantly changes. So you got to get in the habit. It's not even, you know, maybe I should have rephrased the first point in the sense that it's not even having a clear why. It's having the habit of asking why. That's even more important. You know, I think that's actually much clearer because having a clear why, yes, absolutely, it's key. But that can change. That's going to change over the course of your life and over the course of as you evolve as a person, as the things and projects and and things that you do evolve and your message evolves and what you believe evolves. So that is not something to chase, you know, because that's always going to change, you know, in some sense. Um, but your habit of asking why, you know, in the sense of looking within and asking why is it that you do what you do and continually evaluating, that is the key. And if you have that, it's much easier to, to delegate because you can clearly communicate what you're doing. And it's much easier to take regular breaks too because you have faith in where you're going. So it's okay to leave it alone, you know. But if you don't know what, what you're doing and where it's going or at least where you expect it to go, it's hard to take a break. You know, it's hard to just leave it alone because you don't know where it's going. So there's this freak out of having to control the outcome. But if you believe and if you know why you're doing what you're doing and you have faith, it is much easier to take a break. So here is my final thought on this episode. I hope you've enjoyed. You know, I have discovered these things through my own failures and through my own 
mistakes. And um, you know, like I said, the taking regular breaks and delegating is very important, but having a clear why really is the key and having a habit of asking why. And in my own life, you know, when I wrote this book, The Gratitude Map, and you can check it out, gratitudemap.com, thegratitudemap.com, uh, that was something that had interrupted my life in, in a way that I didn't expect in the sense that I had a clear why going into that. Uh, before that, actually, I was writing another book and I, I thought I had a why, but literally, you know, I won't, I'll spare you the story now, but literally a couple things happened and they interrupted my, my life and they changed my why. They altered my why in the direction I was going. And that, that was great. You know, it, it really uh, launched a lot of awesome, beautiful things in my life that I'm super grateful for. And I'm super grateful to share it with you. But, you know, like that's what I was saying is your why can change, you know, allow it to change. But as long as you're open and you're in the habit of asking why, then, you know, you're going to be pleasantly surprised. You're going to allow yourself to dynamically follow where life is leading you. So check it out. It's a great book. Actually, I talk a lot about different ways to balance your life and, and kind of get back to that love, you know, loving something and loving what you're doing. Because part of it, look, it, it is gratitude. A big part of it is I link gratitude to everything. And that's not just shameless promoting. It is literally gratitude is the other side of the coin, you know, because everything that we want to achieve, everything we want to be successful at involves a regular practice of checking in with yourself finding stillness, appreciating what you have, all these basics, you know, quote unquote basics that are very uh, simple, but they're not, you know, they, they take practice and awareness. So in the book, I talk a lot about these types of things, like how to take regular breaks, how to, you know, find appreciation, how to connect to stillness. And these types of things will help balance all of the negative things that come up on the road to something uh, that's worthwhile in your life. Even the things that you love to do, there will, I guarantee you, there's always going to be something you're going to hate about it. And if you don't manage that hate, it's going to be like a weed and grow and grow and grow until it overtakes even the things that you love to do. And that's something I call the biggest trap. That's what I talk about in the book. It's one of the first chapters. It's the trap of basically success without fulfillment, which is terrible. It's the ultimate failure, right? So check the book out, thegratitudemap.com. It's, it's awesome. It's a free book. Uh, you just pay the 10 bucks for shipping, but it's got a ton of awesome resources with it, some free videos, um, and also some bonuses if you want them. But pretty much, I hope that this episode has inspired you to take a look at your own life, as usual, and and take a look and see why you're doing what you're doing. And if that percentage, like we were talking about, is closer to 50-50, then it's an opportunity. Don't freak out. It's an opportunity to get clearer on why you're doing what you're doing or why you're not doing it, you know, and then it's an opportunity to delegate. It's an opportunity to learn to take regular breaks, that kind of thing. So here is my final thought for this episode. I hope you've enjoyed and I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. In everything that you do, you've got to ultimately love why you're doing it. But as we all know, there are many aspects and details to what we do that aren't fun or enjoyable. It's in these times that our desire and faith are questioned, inviting us to quit, be frustrated, or lash out. By practicing acceptance, though, and realizing that as long as we love it more than we hate it, and keeping the difference between those two as high as possible through knowing our vision, delegating the details, and taking regular breaks, we can avoid the pitfall of a runaway mind during times of stress and challenge. In the end, life is short and time is limited. 
So love it more than you hate it and keep going. For more episodes and weekly content, stay connected at danceoflife.com.